Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is Friday. That means we just got done with a just absolutely riveting Thursday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns that I'm sure no one is uh, upset about this morning, especially if you're out there in the betting world. Uh, join me today as we kind of talk about the uh, week three slate we have upcoming with some fans that we'll get some starts this for you. A little bit of DFS stuff, some underdog stuff, and we also do have some uh, some best bets for the weekend. Joining me today for this Friday as we run things down is Jason Katz, fantasy analyst here at Pro Football Network. Jason, I know uh, several of us had some uh, bad beats last night, but it sounds like you might be the one person in the entire betting community that ended up coming out all right at last night's debacle. Yeah, it was a crazy finish to a game and it's not the first time we've seen a meaningless nonsense last second touchdown that doesn't matter impact a whole host of things in the nfl world i remember a couple years back one of my friends had had bet a team that was covering for literally 60 minutes and then i think it was a chiefs um washington game at the time it was a meaningless touchdown at the end after a bunch of laterals for no reason and it and it could cost them the cover and that kind of happened to some people yesterday who might have had the Steelers in a tease, or maybe you had the under, and it was a really unfortunate close. Uh, It definitely helped me because I started the Browns defense in two fantasy leagues, but I mean, I I would trade those eight points for to get rid of the heartache of the the thousands or millions of people out there who saw a bunch of money change hands on that final play. You're a better man than I am then, because all I care about is that I would have cared about that win and how it impacted me, but I was also on the wrong side of that with the uh, under. I think... uh, there were a lot of us who were riding that Pat McAfee super boost over on FanDuel. And uh, look, shout out to Fan to FanDuel. Thank you, FanDuel. Uh, they actually refunded everyone who backed the Pat McAfee super boost last night because of how bad of a beat that was. But they did not um, refund the Chase Claypool uh, yardage prop that was uh, 36 yards and thankfully ended at 35 after that uh, just disaster. But I'm not. I'm not bitter. I'm okay. Like, I'll be fine. I've already wiped the tears off a little bit. Uh, but enough of that and lamenting over what's already in the past. Let's look ahead to this weekend. Uh, there are a couple injuries. Obviously, we're going to be keeping a track of, but given the time we're recording this or earlier on Friday morning, we don't have all the answers yet. So some of these start sits might change a little bit, or we'll have some uh, so we'll have some additional recommendations in case there are some guys who'll be stepping up into a new role, kind of consider something like a, a James Conner if he ends up missing time, uh, potential of a Darrell Williams will be stepping up, things like that. 
Uh, we'll see what happens with, I know Rashad Bateman today wasn't spotted during practice at the media access portion of the, uh, of the uh, activity today. So we'll kind of keep track on some of those things. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we get everyone in there this weekend. But starting off with some of our start sits to help you out your fantasy lineups this week at quarterback. I think a guy that we're all kind of looking at right now is like, hey, wow, this passing attack is actually really becoming what we were hoping it was. And that's Carson Wentz with the Washington Commanders. A little bit of a revenge game. And if you aren't sick of hearing that phrase yet, get ready because it's going to be pounded into your head like crazy this weekend. Uh, But Washington right now, they've got a passing attack that we were kind of hoping it would be with Curtis Samuel, John Dotson, and Terry McLaurin. Right now, it's all kind of working out. Carson Wentz are now number four in fantasy football, ranking first in deep ball attempts of 20-plus yards or more, uh, with 10 of those on the year, second in passing yards, also top 10 when they're keeping him clean in the pocket in accuracy and completion rate. Isn't a surprise. He always kind of struggled under pressure, so anytime they can keep him clean, that's always going to work more in his favor, kind of like what pretty much any other quarterback out there Back-to-back games of 300-plus passing yards. And I think this is a game where we're kind of expecting a little bit of points to be put up here uh, by both sides. Philly is fourth in, pass de- in passing DVOA. They're also fourth lowest EPA per dropback. And last week, Darius Slay really pretty much put the lockdowns on Justin Jefferson. So it could be a little more of a, of a difficult matchup for sure. But as a low QB1, high QB2, I think makes sense if you're looking for another potential uh quarterback option i think you've got another quarterback here on the board too cats that's kind of floating around that same range if not quite a little bit higher and coming off a little bit of a bounce back game we're expecting here uh talking about your why you got kirk cousins as a star for this week yeah i would actually start kirk cousins over carson wentz this week and i know based on their performance through the first two weeks that is that is definitely uh a contrarian take i think uh but i imagine uh fantasy managers are not happy with cousins after what he did on Monday night, and we we heard all the uh, jokes about primetime cousins, you got to be got to be strong and not overreact to one bad game, especially if he costs you your matchup. Cousins is probably going to bounce back this week. The Lions really look like this year's shootout opponent. Good offense, not so good defense. They've allowed over 400 yards of offense per game over their first two games. They've already allowed eight touchdowns, and uh, Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings, they're throwing the ball on 67.5% of their pass plays, up from 58.5% from 2021. Second in the league in pass rate, and that's a line. That's that new offense of Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, I mean, they said it. Justin Jefferson had said it in the offseason that they were going to throw more this year, and that looks to be coming to fruition. Lions passing defense that's allowing the second most expected points per pass attempt. I like Kirk Cousins to come back with a big game, I think, in 250 yards and at least two touchdowns. Yep, I like that one a lot. I think we see a bounce back there. I've got Kirk Cousins right now. Inside, actually, my top eight at quarterback. So I'm, I'm very much with you. He is a, uh, he's a starter for me. Carson Wentz, kind of in that uh, upper QB two kind of range, but also really another sneaky addition. We're not going to mention here too much. Jared Goff, keep an eye on him. Like I said, we talk about that uh, high potential shootout. I think the other side of the ball could work just as well in Jared Goff, especially with the Monroe St. Brown, a name we're probably going to touch on here in a little bit. Miles Sanders, running back, Philadelphia Eagles, going up against Washington. Um, sneaky start of the week potential here um i'm kind of like miles sanders which is not something i thought i was going to say coming into the season uh rb 13 in fantasy right now averaging 17.5 touches and 19.5 total yards per game 95.5 not 19.5 did i say that yeah 95.5 <laughs> it's 19.5 please don't start him 
Uh, and yeah, please never, never say I say I recommended that one. Yeah, ninety-five point five total yards. Sixteenth uh, in opportunity share amongst the position, eighteenth in weighted opportunities amongst the running backs. I think what's surprising is like he's doing that without a ton of opportunities in the pass game, only an eight point three percent target share. Because you do have other names back there with um, Boston Scott and also Kenneth Gainwell, but Washington bottom five in pretty much most defensive metrics against the running game. Currently allowing 6.8 yards per carry, 155 total yards per week. Miles Sanders can rattle off those big plays. Philly, you've got a top five offensive line. They're also number one in rushing yards. A lot of that is helped by Jalen Hurts at the same time. But Miles Sanders this week, I think he is a very sneaky play. I think another one you're looking at is uh, Damian Pierce. We kind of saw the talks coming out of Houston last week saying, hey, look, we need to get him the ball more. You think? Maybe that's just me. Like I would probably give the ball to Damian Pierce over... Rex Burkhead, and we saw his touch total go up from 12 to 16, and the snaps really jump up from 29% up to 62%. Chicago was allowed the most rushing yards through the first two weeks, and they were gashed by Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon for nearly 200 yards on 33 carries. So give me also Damian Pierce against the Chicago Bears because, quite frankly, I have no idea what to expect with the Chicago team every single week. I think another team I don't always not to know what to expect is the passing attack from Seattle. But you're like one of these receivers in what should be a fairly even matchup, I think we'll put it that way. I'm a big fan of DK Metcalf this week. Through two games, Metcalf's average depth of target is a paltry 5.5 yards. But Pete Carroll this week did say they need to get the ball downfield more and specifically to Metcalf. Perhaps for the first time in his entire tenure, with the Seattle Seahawks, I believe Pete Carroll. And I think we are going to see more That's a passes. slippery slope, my guy. <laughs> I mean, it's a one-time thing. It'll, it probably will never happen again unless unless we actually get these downfield passes to DK Metcalf. Uh, but I, I think it's a great spot for it. The Falcons allow the highest deep ball completion rate against thus far this season. I think we're getting a long touchdown from Metcalf this week. So I'm liking him as a start in fantasy. There's another guy that you're liking as a start in fantasy this week. And that is one of my favorite receivers going back to the Panthers. I always thought he was, he was better than he got credit for. And that is Curtis Samuel. Talk to me about him. I love seeing Curtis Samuel back in the NFL or at least I shouldn't say back in the NFL, just playing well again. Last season sucked where he had that groin injury that just lasted pretty much all year. But now he is back in leading what's became a fairly explosive commanders of passing attack, sitting first in targets uh, through each of the first two games this year. In week one, we saw 11 targets catching eight for 55 and a tutty. Then last week, nine targets, seven of them he pulled in for 78 yards and a score last week tied for the second most routes ran in week two. And I think one of the biggest things is like all of these players are on the field. They're all seeing like 46 plus in the routes. They're all seeing like 80% plus in um, route distribution. I think, but Curtis Samuel kind of has just the upside right now, especially too. Uh, you're looking at three wide receiver sets. We're talking about these opportunities. 82% of its plays with all three wide receivers on the field, third highest rate in the NFL. You throw in Logan Thomas, who found the end zone last week as well, too. You also got J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson coming out of the backfield. There's so many passing options on this team. Curtis Samuel, though, we know the talent's there. We're seeing him finally getting the opportunity again. Low-end wide receiver three. I think you've got Curtis Samuel. You can absolutely start him. And if you picked him up off the waiver wire in week one, this is looking like another one of those cases where buy in to what happens in week one. Otherwise, you miss out on a potential 
talented player in a breakout game. This right here is another post-hype example of Curtis Samuel really being the player that we all thought he could be and uh, really just kind of just doing well for Carson Wentz, who's probably in his last chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Moving to the other side of the board, here's some people that I'm not exactly the keenest on. And Miami Dolphins fans, earmuffs, please take the kids out of the room. I'm going to talk about Tua. I know what he did last week, and I am not taking that away from him, nor can anyone. No one can ever take away what he did last week. 469 yards, nice, six touchdowns, scored just under 39 fantasy points against the Ravens. But this is Buffalo. Like, I'm not saying everyone is an auto fade against Buffalo, but it's as close as we've had in quite some time. We go back to week one. They held Stafford just under 8.5 fantasy points, picking them off three times. And then in week two, Ryan Tannehill scored less than a single fantasy point while throwing two picks himself. This is Buffalo that allowed the fewest fantasy points per game, passing yards, and touchdowns. The quarterback's ranked number one in EPA. They've looked sensational this year. For me, I am viewing this more as just a test for Tua. I know he's been through plenty his entire career, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but if he can have a good game against Buffalo, folks, we've got a weekly starter every single week, so I am hoping Tua does well. But given the other options that there are out there in fantasy football at the quarterback position, I would personally like to just watch this game as a fan from the sidelines than have to have my emotional state ride or die with Tua and the Miami Dolphins against the Buffalo Bills. That's just me. If you got him, I totally understand. If you want to still play him, he's in that QB 14-ish kind of range. But if we talk about someone earlier, like a like a Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, I can make more of a case for them. Like I said, I hope Tua does well, but I am concerned. You've got another, we got another quarterback listed here too. And Russell Wilson, talk to me about this one, Kath, about Russell Wilson, who's really not having the season we were hoping for out there with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, with Tua, the issue is more the matchup. Uh, for me and Russell Wilson, yep. the issue is Russell Wilson. All these years we've been asking Pete Carroll to let Russ cook. Uh, I think it's a bit too long because I think that Russ is the one who is now cooked. Uh, I'm going to say it simply. I don't think Russ is good anymore. The 49ers are I, I think you sure. said that pretty, yeah. yeah that was, yeah. I think no, no <laughs> yeah. getting around that one. Uh, the 49ers are allowing just 142.5 passing yards per game. They've already forced three interceptions. And I'm a little concerned about um, what I've seen from Nathaniel Hackett in his first two games as an NFL head coach. Some questionable decision-making. It kind of looks like he just maybe a bit overwhelmed. And it's got to kind of get that, uh, try to really understand what it means to be a coach and all the tasks and duties that, that he, he has to deal with. And I, I do think that he has a great chance of getting there, but it's not there yet. And I think he's going to have a really hard time with the 49ers. Um, I have a lot of concerns with Denver in general. They might be without Jerry Judy this week as well. So I'm fading Russell Wilson this week. I think there are at least 15 quarterbacks I would start over Russell Wilson. I get it. I definitely get it. I think better days are ahead for Russ. I certainly hope so. You brought up Nathaniel Hackett side of things. Yeah, it's a rookie head coach. They're always going to make some mistakes early on. Um, but hopefully they kind of get their stuff together here. Uh, another player listed here as a sit, and I think this one surprised me a little bit when we were putting down our recommendations and you actually uh, listed this one. Because it's a guy that you were, we actually, and quite frankly, in fairness to both of us, we both were high on A.J. Dillon. But you've got him listed as a sit this week for the Grand Packers. Talking about A.J. Dillon. I still love A.J. Dillon long-term in this season. And I don't like fading players coming off down weeks because 
oftentimes they do bounce back. But I think this is a bad spot for the Packers uh, running backs. Last season, the Bucs were a pass-funnel defense. Um, they haven't been as great against the, the run this year, but I still think that they are going to project. And I'm looking forward here, not about what happened, looking what they will do the rest of the season. I think they're going to once again be more of a pass-funnel. And the problem is, I think when we were looking at Tom Brady versus Green versus Aaron Rodgers back when we saw this game of the schedule, oh, wow, this is going to be awesome. So many points, shootouts. Well, look at the receivers for both of these two teams. Uh, both of these teams are looking to play ball control and defense. They're going to play slow. And, and I don't think we're getting that offensive explosion that we're hoping for. I really think this might be one of the lower scoring games of the week. And that just means less offense in general. And that's really where my concern stems from is as I'm worried that AJ Dillon gets like 12 carries for about 40 yards. And if he doesn't score, you're getting like RB4 numbers. And that, that's my concern with AJ Dillon. He's not like a full fade, but I think if you have somebody that you can conceivably start over him, you might want to look away from Dillon this week. It's weird saying, saying that a game where Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are starting that we're expecting the potential for low scoring. Um, that's when you know things are going wrong with this world. Yeah, things are really weird. Another option here. Um, this one hurts my soul just as much as you saying A.J. Dillon. D.J. Moore, uh, just 10.7 uh, points per game so far through two weeks. His 23% target share is his lowest since his rookie year and behind Allen Robinson, which is... Robbie Anderson. Just agree. Sorry, yeah, Robbie Anderson, which is just egregious. Right, right, right now, wide receiver 42 in scoring, uh, 21.1% target per route run rate. And I think it's the biggest about it's not a talent issue. DJ Moore has all the talent. It's really just what's going on in Carolina right now with Baker Mayfield. You also don't love what's happening in this matchup with uh Bradley Roby or Marshawn Lattimore. Roby right now is only allowing a 53.3% catch rate where Marshawn Lattimore, who avoided suspension last week after getting lit up by Mike Evans for whatever reason that happened as, uh, allowing a 50% catch rate and only a, a sub-60 passer rating when targeted. So, yeah, Robbie Anderson, not a big fan of him this week. Another one, uh, another wide receiver, which just hurts because I want him to be good. I thought last week was going to be the bounce back, and it kind of was. Like He probably should have had a better week. Uh, Allen Robinson, very kind of concerned now. He's out there on the field on running a route on 97% of the routes of the dropbacks last week, only a 14% target share. And then even worse, 9.5% target per route run rate. So when he's out there running these routes, he's just not getting a ton of volume, kind of similar to what we're seeing with DJ Moore. Um, for right now, even when we're getting into the red zone, Tyler Higby is starting to become even more and more involved in this team. Uh, right now, even has sitting with a 26% target share. If A-Rob does anything, it's going to be coming in the end zone, which you would hope the Rams can get in there with a little bit more regularity, as this is a defending Super Bowl champion. I do like their matchup against the Rams. I'm sorry, against the Cardinals. But right now, the only pass catcher I can fully trust is going to be Cooper Cup. So Robbie, uh, for uh, for um, Allen Robinson, probably someone to leave on your bench for right now until we see a little bit more consistency. I want to tell you guys about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season, and it's underdog fantasy and their pick em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats and pick whether they'll end up higher or lower than that number in this week's games. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile app. 
pick between two and five players for your pick entry, get all your picks right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It's simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and sign up with promo code PFN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code PFN, and you can get in on the action today. Kat, we're going to start things off with you here. Talk to me about some of our top underdog plays. And I see you've got a rookie here who seems like they had their breakout. Garrett Wilson sitting here with a 44.5 receiving yard projection. The question is, are you going higher or lower than that for this week in week three? This might be my favorite underdog pick of the season, my most confident play, and that is Garrett Wilson higher than 44.5 receiving yards. Uh, he's played two games, and he surpassed this number in both of them. 52 receiving yards in week one, 102 in week two. He leads the Jets with 22 targets, and he's averaging a very impressive 2.17 yards per route run. And the thing is, his usage still isn't even all the way there. He's been operating as the team's wide receiver one despite not playing wide receiver one snaps. He's still behind Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. He's running about the same amount of rounds as Davis and maybe 10 or 15 fewer than Elijah Moore. I think that we are going to see a full shift soon where we're seeing Garrett Wilson play 90% of the snaps and, he, and operate as a true wide receiver one. It might happen as soon as this week, and he's but he's proven he doesn't even need that to have more than 44.5 receiving yards. I think the underdog's going to adjust at some point, but it has not happened yet. And what we want to do is we want to get out ahead of what we see coming. And I see Garrett Wilson as as the Jets wide receiver one, and he's not being treated as that yet. So I'm going higher on Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I like that. I think the, the question is going to be, you know, when we see an eventual change in quarterback and they go back to Zach Wilson, we'll see what the pecking order will look like. But for right now, it's Joe Flacco and. Like I said, I, I agree with you on this one. It's it's a, a thing that I, I asked last week. I said, are we watching a new number one take uh, take over this offense? And there's a very good chance. That has nothing to do with Elijah Moore. Love Elijah Moore. But right now, they're targeting Gary Wilson, the guy they drafted 10th overall. And when you spend that pick, you're going to start using him. Uh, Chase Edmonds makes the list here uh, for his rushing yards, sitting at 34.5. Only 25 rushing yards in week one, 33 in week two, taking on the Buffalo Bills, who are allowing 66 yards a game. Unfortunately, last week also got out-carried by Raheem Mostert, 11-5. to As much as I wanted Chase Edmonds to be a, a more reliable fantasy asset than we have seen in the past, I think we love the opportunity coming to Miami with a rebuilt offensive line, a Mike McDaniel run scheme. Unfortunately, that's just not happening. So I am taking the lower on his 34.5 rushing yards. Luckily enough for you, cats, you end up with the uh, one of our favorite players to talk about us all. I'll give you the I'll give you the for this one. Talk to me about Michael Pittman Jr. and his 62.5 receiving yard prop over here on Underdog. Well, unfortunately, we had to talk negatively about one of our other guys. We loved Allen Robinson. So uh, you know what? Let's at least you gotta let's, balance let's, it out. Got to balance it out. Let's at least relish in what we think is someone we were going to be really right on, and that's Michael Pittman. Uh, his receiving yards projection is set at 62.5 yards, and I think he is going to go higher than that number. Nine catches for a buck 21 in week one. I know he missed week two, uh, and we saw what the Colts wide receiving core looks like without Pittman, and it is not great. He is in the ideal spot 
for fantasy, which is he is the alpha dominant target hog. He is talented, and there's just nobody else to compete with him. They need him, and he's going to get all the volume he can handle. I think we're going to be at a point where his projection is consistently at 70-plus going forward. We've got it at 62.5 right now, so I think there's a lot of value in going higher this week on Michael Pittman. I think it's one of those things like as long as the matchup is good, anytime I see less than 70 yards from Michael Pittman Jr., I'm probably just going to take it. I'm probably going to take the higher. Uh, that's just that's probably the way I'm going to approach it moving on, uh, moving throughout the rest of this year. Um, another curious one here, sticking into the AFC South. Damian Pierce, we saw him kind of get a a change in his role last week. Someone that we just talked about as a start. Um, I think it shouldn't come any surprise. Probably looking at his hire here, which they have at 58.5. 15 carries last week for 69 yards and a 62% snap share. It's They made it clear they want to get Damian Pierce more involved, and Lovey Smith was true to his word. So having him listed as a start in fantasy in mind, I will also be taking the higher on his 58.5 rushing yards. Another running back here, but on the different side of the coin, going down here in Jacksonville with James Robinson. Uh, they've got him set at 61.5 combined rushing and receiving yards. Cats, give me your initial impressions on what you're thinking here with James Robinson. I mean, Robinson's gone uh, higher than this number in each of his first two games. But the Jaguars also played the Commanders and the Colts. I think the Chargers are a very, very different beast. I think that we're going to see the Jaguars have to play from behind this week, which is not something that they've done in their first two games. And that might result in more Travis Etienne limiting James Robinson's opportunities. So I'm going lower than 61.5 combined rushing and receiving yards for J-Rob this week. Makes makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Etienne, like, I think it's coming for Etienne. Like, I'm not totally giving up on him yet. There's been several chances where a big play could have happened. Uh, but we'll have to see uh, what kind of moves on down the line for him. Kind of talking about it, like I said, there are just some numbers that when I see them, I'm taking them. You put a Monroe St. Brown at 71.5 receiving yards, I'm taking it. I will be taking the higher on him. Um, the last eight games that he's had, it's well documented. I'm pretty sure it was flooded over top of everyone's, you know, Twitter feeds and anywhere you looked about NFL stats. Over the last eight games for Amon Ross St. Brown, averaging 8.5 receptions on 11.4 targets for 92 and a half yards and averaging a touchdown 23.75 PPR points on the trot. You're going to give me something that's 21 yards lower than his average over the last eight games or the last half a season. Yeah, I will be taking the higher on Amon Ross St. Brown and just letting the dude just ball out like he's done for like I said, the last last eight games and really just what we've been seeing since he was at USC. Like we knew this was coming and he's finally just, everything has clicked. Uh, view him as a wide receiver one. I had him last week as a low end one. He confirmed it. As that was in my opinion, like he just did nothing else but confirm that he is a, a true wide receiver one moving forward for fantasy that you probably got at a massive discount because I think what I was told was that he wasn't allowed to do all this stuff with DeAndre Swift and DJ Hawkinson on the field, but apparently no one told Amon Ross St. Brown that same thing. Uh, but let's move on here to DFS. Let's talk about some stuff over on DraftKings for you guys putting your lineups. Millionaires made every single weekend. Hopefully some of these picks can help turn you guys into one itself. Too. I'm just asking for, you know, 10% cut. Is that fair? Does 10%, 10% feels like a decent amount, right, Cats? Right. I, I, I might be too greedy. 
If, if they win a lot, that could be a lot of money. It's only 10%. You're going to lose a ton on taxes anyway. And, and then another 10% to you? Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, yeah, we, we'll, okay. see. we'll see. Look, it's a million dollars you didn't have to begin with. Anyway, like I said, we'll, we'll move on here. Derek Carr, a little bit undervalued this week at 5,900, taking on Tennessee. 250 plus pass, 250 plus passing yards. Jesus, my vocabulary is awful today. Uh, and two touchdowns in each of the first two weeks. Tennessee is looking pretty shaky. Um, but last week they did okay. And Josh Allen limited him to only 317 yards instead of like 350 plus. They give up four touchdowns. Odds are you're not going to have an answer to Devonta Adams. You got Darren Waller out there. Hunter Renfro will still be an asset over the middle of the field. Uh, Derek Carr at 5,900. I like that one a lot. You're going with a, an interesting name here. And I think when we were kind of looking at some of the potential undervalued plays, and especially when you're looking at ways where you can kind of create some stacks in your lineup, this might be the cheapest one that I think could actually be very viable. So talk to me about Marcus Mariota this week at 5,500 taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, this is for the afternoon slate. Uh, Mariota has been more of a floor play thus far. Hasn't really given you that uh, that ceiling game that we know that guys who run the ball typically can. But I think this week we might get that for Mariota. He can surpass that 17.6 fantasy points per game. He's averaged over the first two weeks. Against the Seahawks, he finally gets, a, gets a, an easier matchup after playing the Saints and the Rams over those first two games. Seattle is allowing 257 passing yards per game. I think this game could be sneaky high scoring. And what I really like about this is you could put together what I think will be a bit of a contrarian stack with Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts and Drake London. And if if that ends up hitting, if we, we get it, if we if you hit on the day where Mariota throws three touchdowns and two of them go to Pitts and one goes to London, uh, you're setting yourself up for a potential first place finish. And that, that that's, those are the shots you got to take to win these large scale tournaments. So I definitely like Marcus Mariota this week as a good value at fifty five hundred dollars. Yeah, I like that one a lot too. Uh, another player I'm looking at is Leonard Fournette moving on to the running back position. Uh, only sixty five hundred, which. It's not cheap, don't get me wrong, but I think compared to where I think he could finish, which is a a top five running back on the week, I kind of think the value is there. Averaging 24.5 touches and 105 and a half yards, third in snap share, fourth in opportunity share, and sixth in waiting opportunities amongst the running back position. First in evaded tackles. He's got a ton of yards just on chunk plays. Uh, seventh right now in rushes of 15 yards or more. Green Bay has been okay against the run, but they are allowing the highest explosive rate in the NFL, so rushes of 10 yards or more. I like Leonard Fournette to potentially break one off. Another running back I'm kind of liking this week, too, is undervalued. About $600 cheaper. David Montgomery taking on the Houston Texans. Uh, last week, 15 for 122 on the ground against the Packers while adding two receptions for 14 yards on his two targets. Averaging 18 and a half touches and for 93 yards. It's really, it's not the most efficient at times, but dude looks good. David Montgomery looks like the running back people were kind of hoping he was going to be coming out of, uh, out of Iowa State. And quite frankly, I think a big part of this is just Chicago says we don't want to throw the ball anymore. This is what happens when you hire a defensive mind head coach, I guess. I don't know. But Dave Montgomery is very much uh, taking advantage of that. Right now, a th- uh, 21.4% target share, which is second amongst running backs. But 
not a ton of volume going around. Houston is 30th in rushing yards per game, allowing the 12th highest um, rushing success rate as well. So when your running backs are gaining four-plus yards on the ground per carry, love Dave Montgomery this week. Uh, two other ones real quick, Miles Sanders and Damian Pierce, um, kind of guys that we were kind of hit on just a little bit. Got some wide receivers here, and I think it was a really easy one for you already mentioning him, Garrett Wilson at 5,100. You kind of already talked about him already here in the uh, underdog section, but matches the same thing over here when we're talking about just DFS at 5,400. A little bit more expensive option. Another one here with Christian Kirk at 62, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. 100-plus yards in game one, and then founds the end zone twice in week two. 12-18 receiving on the season, 195 for two touchdowns for those first two games. And kind of just, we gave him a ton of crap, let's be honest, about the contract that they gave Christian Kirk. But you're paying him like a number one, and you're playing him like a number one. As long as those two things equal out, I got nothing else to say. Um, I've got him right now as a legitimate mid wide receiver two this week. If you want to throw him into a stack, I love what you can potentially probably pull off with Kirk with Christian Kirk, decent amount of money, but surprisingly you actually found an even cheaper wide receiver who might actually have an even better opportunity here in week two. Talk to me about Rashad Bateman taking on the new England Patriots. Yeah, there was a little concern about Bateman when he didn't practice on Friday, but uh, we later found out that that was just a personal issue, and he's not hurt. He's fine. He'll be out there on Sunday. No concerns there. Caught four of seven targets for 108 yards and a touchdown uh, last week. Uh, he's he's looking like the true wide receiver one that we thought he could be, and yep. what's great about Bateman is, is initially he was pegged to be more of this possession guy, which we love. We're, we're fine with that. But he's actually kind of been a bit of a, a downfield guy. I mean, he's averaging 16.1 on average at the target. That is 10th in the NFL. Uh, and he's already seen three deep targets in the season. So if he's going to have that downfield explosive play upside to go along with someone we know that, that is, has a high receptions floor, uh, that makes Bateman a really strong play. So I like him at 5.7K this week as well. Yeah, that field stretching was a thing we saw a ton when he was at Minnesota. He was really just like a route running savant. Like he's came into the NFL one of the most pro-ready players in the past couple of years. And it's we're kind of seeing that take take full effect right now as that that true number one uh for this Baltimore Ravens passing attack. Curtis Samuel at fifty one hundred, kind of talking about a little bit earlier. Uh another great play here in in DFS this week. You can do a Curtis Samuel, uh Carson Wentz, John Dotson kind of sack. Totally can see that right there. Going to take advantage of that kind of game circuit and then tagging some uh, some Philadelphia Eagles players, kind of do almost turn into a single game. I think it makes a ton of sense. You can absolutely do that one. Uh, Chris Olave at 4.5K against Carolina. I think we probably saw a little bit of the the breakout coming. And if, you, uh, if you're if you listening to this and you don't have Chris Olave on your team, I think your buy window opportunity is like now. Because if you don't get it now, it's price probably going to go up after this week. 22.5% target share right now as the team's uh, field stretcher. Third amongst wide receivers in ADOT, uh, 21, 20.1 yards down the field. First in deep targets with seven. Ninth in air yards. Last week had over 300 air yards, which to me is that's just staggering. That's a number you don't see. Like a lot of times, 150. It's considered a good week for these guys in air yards. You wouldn't do what he did. That was, that was incredible. If any of those things start start falling in 
you can only be excited for what Curtis, what Chris Olave can do. Tight end isn't great, but I'll give you guys one play real quick here. Evan Ingram at 3.7 against Los Angeles Chargers. Last week, uh, seven of eight receiving for 46 yards. Didn't drop, he wasn't dropping passes, which is quite frankly all that he's ever needed to do. But I think the one thing is volume is masking some inefficiency. 12th in targets, 10th in target share, 11th in routes ran, but he is 16th in yards per round run and only 32nd in yards per reception. So as long as he keeps getting volume, I think there is some upside there. But I do want to say if you guys want to win a free $200 bet this season, well, as a new user on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet $5 and win a free $200 bet. All you got to do is head over to profootballnetwork.com and check out the latest latest betting promos to claim this offer today. And so we got a full slate this weekend. Cats, I know you've got a ton of betting angles and options that are out there. If you guys want to find out more of these two over in the PFN Discord, there are also some plays that are listed in there. I know we've got articles that are out there as well. Talk to me about some of your uh, some of your favorite bets for week three, starting with the guy we just talked about in Evan Ingram. Yeah, Tommy hit on it. For, for my full betting card of the weekend, you got to either be in the Discord or wait for the article to come out on Sunday, and sometimes those lines move. So try to get in the Discord so you can get in, get on, get in on these lines before they move against you. Uh, but the first one I'm giving out today on the podcast is Evan Engram, longest reception under 16.5 yards. This has to do with just the way Engram's being used on the Jaguars through two games. Engram's longest catch has been 12 yards. His average depth of target is just 4.5 yards. Uh, so I, I'm not sure why this line is so high, but I'm going to once again take Evan Engram to uh, have his longest reception be under 6.5 yards because I like the fact that he can catch four or five balls and get to 40 or 50 yards and still never catch one for longer than 15 or 16 yards. So I really like this one this week. Uh, another one that I'm really high on, and this should be no surprise based on what we've already talked about, DK Metcalf, longest reception over 20.5 yards. Um, already hit on pretty much everything here. Uh, the Falcons allow a 69% completion percentage downfield on deep balls, and I really think they're going to take a shot to DK Metcalf deep. What are your thoughts on those, Tommy? I like him. I think it makes a ton of sense. I think the DK Metcalf taking a longer reception on yards, I think that makes a ton of sense just because that's how they want to target him. He's not a possession-style guy. You were, you're trying to take shots. And quite frankly, if I have a six foot four player who looks like he was chiseled from marble and can run as fast as a greased pig, give me DK Metcalf every single day on my offense and in my bets. Yeah, I want. I love DK Metcalf. And as long as we trust Pete Carroll... And take him at his word. Yeah, give me the long reception on, on DK Metcalf, and hopefully that also correlates into fantasy. But I see you're sticking here with another reception thing, and I think this one's a little interesting because of the narrative going around his style of play. But talking about DK, uh, sorry, talking about Michael Thomas and what you have for him right here. Yeah, Michael Thomas longest reception under twenty point five yards. This is something I take pretty much every week. Uh, they they. They constantly, the sportsbooks constantly set this line around 20-ish. And I know, that's, Tom- that's a little bit of part of the surprising to me. And, and, I, and this has been going back for several years now, and I never understood it. I mean, Michael Thomas wouldn't know what a splash play was if he fell out of a boat. I mean, his longest reception last week was 13 yards. He has 521 career receptions. 68 of them have gone for over 20 yards. That is just 13%. 
and 58 of them were thrown to him by Drew Brees. 23% of the Saints' air yards are about the Thomas. We already talked about a 38% of them going to Chris Olave. When they're taking shots downfield this year, even more so than years past when it was just Thomas, everything downfield is going to Olave. Thomas is going is going to go, go under this number more than he doesn't. I think this is one that if it stays around 20, and we bet this under every week, uh, if Thomas plays uh, 17 games, we're going to win this one at least 10 times. So, yeah, it may not win every week. It certainly won't win every week. But it's going to win more than a dozen, and I think it'll be profitable in the long term. And that's why I really like Michael Thomas' as longest as receptions under 20.5 yards. Yep, I like that one. Um, you've got a couple guys we'll just hear for anytime touchdowns, too, as we close out this show. DK Metcalf at plus 175. Jamal Williams, plus 160. We know he's kind of getting that goal line worker now up there in Detroit. And then Damian Pierce at plus 170. I think lines-wise, it's there's so much movement happening on lines, it's hard to kind of lock anything in right now. Um, I think the one that's surprising to me, and I think the one that I'm going to be taking here, I don't understand why the Houston Texans are three-point dogs to the Chicago Bears. Uh, so I think the one thing for me is I will be taking Houston plus three since you're giving the, the entire... Uh, the entire point on that, but we'll, we'll have some more plays probably coming up in a little bit as these lines adjust, but that will wrap it up today's episode of the run the table podcast powered by pro football network. If you enjoyed today's show, feel free to leave a rating and a review, whether it's on iHeartRadio, radio, Apple podcast, Google podcast, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. That is always greatly appreciated by everyone here. Also continue to stay up to date with the latest news around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com, where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football, but betting uh, and breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. And remember, we talked about it earlier. Get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, including the Cleveland Browns documentary that just came out. Weekly giveaways, weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineup advice, waiver wire advice, Sunday morning start sits, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll. And don't forget, it is never too early to get involved with the 2023 season. Yes, I said that right. 2023. We are degenerates after all. Uh, but you can head over to the profballnetwork.com forward slash mock draft to jump on the PFN MDS. And when you do, tweet us the screenshots of how you think your team should, ad- should attack what should be a loaded draft class in 2023 you can follow jason Katz over on twitter at jason Katz 13 uh you can follow myself at tommy garrett pfn good luck this weekend good luck with your bets good luck over on your underdog with your pickums and your fancy teams speaking for ian and jason who was here with us earlier today uh i am tommy we'll see you guys for another episode of the show